Hello, I'm Clive Nash. Welcome to Let God Speak and welcome to our discussion wherever you are. It is amazing to think that the almighty God of the universe should make contracts or covenants with frail humanity. Some of these covenants were bilateral, some unilateral. You may like to grab a Bible as you follow our discussion. I invite you to stay with us as we discover the relevance of these covenants for us today. panel today, we have John Cosmire and Uriah Sengist. It's good to have you with us, Uriah and John. Uh, let's uh, take a moment to, to pray and ask for a blessing on our discussion today. Our loving Father in heaven, we are thankful that you are our guide in all things. We thank you that you have inspired the Word of God, the Bible, and also you have given the same Holy Spirit to give us understanding. And we pray that that understanding might be ours today, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, we're going to, uh, to look today at some bilateral covenant, covenants. So by bilateral, I mean two-part covenants. But um, John, to give us a context, uh, what would be an example in the Bible of a unilateral covenant? When you turn to Matthew chapter 5, and I'm reading from the New King James Version, Here Jesus says that you may be sons of your father in heaven, for he makes his son rise on evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. And so here is a, a covenant that God makes. Mm, kind of unconditional, isn't it? He, he says, I pour out my rain on the righteous and on the ones who are not righteous. And when you go to back to Genesis chapter 8, the world had just undergone one of the greatest events that ever took place, and that was the, the flood. Here in Genesis chapter 8 and verse 22, while the earth remains, God promises seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer. We, we don't have anything to do with that. If anyone's going to control it, God is. And so this is a unilateral agreement that God has made that while the earth remains, winter and summer and day and night shall not cease. Hmm. Wonderful promise that we can be sure can that God has got his hand over what's happening in this world. Yes, and, and there's, there's no involvement on our part to make it come about, is there? You know, it's, it's his doing entirely. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now Uriah, uh, there are some people who, who see the process of salvation um, as something that's unilateral on God's part. You know, he loves everyone so much that no one's going to be lost. Everyone's going to be saved. Is that true? Well, I think that's uh, called uh, universalism, uh, the idea that God loves everyone and he will save everyone regardless of whether they want to be saved or not. And that might sound uh, good, but it really is not true. Uh, if we look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, 
and verse 13 and 14, Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. So here Jesus is, is actually giving two options. He is inviting us to enter the gate that leads to life eternal. But there is another option. There is the option of the gate that goes to destruction. So there are these two options and Jesus options. Jesus is inviting us to enter into the gate that leads life. But it's up to the individual to decide which gate they enter. And Jesus respects that decision. He does not force us. He invites us into salvation, but salvation must be something that someone accepts mm. based on their free will. Yeah, it, it reminds me of another saying of Jesus where he said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will right. enter into the kingdom of heaven. That's right. Um, now, I'm just want to turn over a little further in the Bible, uh, gentlemen, to 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13. 1 John 5, 13, uh, John writes here, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the Son of God. Um, so John is, is this talking, John, <laughs> talking from John, John, um, is this a, an answer to universalism? Definitely not. I... A positive answer, this is very much negative. Because if it's your choice to believe or not to believe, that's not universalism. Universalism is where everybody can be saved and it doesn't matter what decisions they make. And so here it says, you have chosen to believe in Jesus Christ. You have faith in him. And then believe in the name of the Son of God. We wouldn't have to be asked that question and give an answer to it if universalism was true. And this is where we continue to believe in the Son of God as well. That is not universalism. Yeah, it's interesting that John uses that phrase, isn't it? Um, to continue to believe. And, and you're right, does that sort of uh, imply a lifelong commitment to Jesus? Yes. Um, no one enters into the salvation covenant with Jesus. I don't believe anyone enters or anyone should enter with the intention that it's only going to be for a while and then they're going to give it up. And uh, if we just look at what Jesus says here in Matthew um, chapter 10 and verse 22, Jesus says, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. So here Jesus is actually making that promise that it's the person who endures. And, you know, the salvation journey is it's not a sprint. It's actually a marathon. Um, and what really matters is not how fast you go, but the fact that you actually keep at it and you actually make it to the end, that mm. you're faithful to Jesus all the way until the end. And for some people, it might be a, a long journey because they live a long life, especially when you accept Jesus at a young age and you remain faithful for the rest of your life, you have a long life of blessing on yourself and blessings to others. But for some, 
they might uh, live a very short life after they accept Jesus. And um, I think of the, the thief on the cross, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was on the cross and Jesus offered him salvation. He accepted it. And maybe just a few minutes or hours after um, he died. So his journey, his um, journey with Jesus was for the rest of his life, but it was only for a short time. Mm. Yeah, thanks for that, Uriah. Now, now John, I'd like you to think about uh, St. Paul. Um, was there anything in his life that indicated that he kept his side of the, of the salvation bargain, as it were, or the agreement? Yeah. Let's turn to one of my favorite verses. That's found in 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting from verse 6. Okay, chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6. Mm-hmm. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. Here Paul was saying that he, he's about to shed his blood, and because he was beheaded, of course, and my departure is at hand. And then he goes on, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me, and all of us can say that, There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And so once we go into this bilateral agreement between me and God, and you and God, wonderful. We endure to the end, and then we are assured of eternal salvation. Mm. What a blessing. Yeah. Now, I'd like us to, uh, to cast our minds back to the Old Testament. And I'm thinking particularly of the book of Deuteronomy, uh, which literally, Deuteronomy literally means second law. But, but John, a question to you again. It's the book of Deuteronomy is, is not just about the book of, of the law, is it? It's not just about the Ten Commandments being repeated. The Israelites were on a journey to the promised land. And Moses wrote the book of Deuteronomy going through the experience that they had been through as they traveled to the promised land. And there was Joshua and Caleb were there and they were the only ones over the age of 20 at the beginning of their journey who were going to be saved going into the promised land. Everybody else, but everybody else, including Moses mm-hmm. and Aaron. Four years of wandering. They, they, uh, they actually died. And so here he is going through it all. And, uh, and this is where Abraham was telling the young people of that time. Moses. Because the, the oldest ones would have been 60 or less. And he was telling them about what the previous generation had done. So the book of Deuteronomy is more than just a repetition of a law. It's a repetition of the experience that the children of Israel had. Okay, talking to that second generation, as it were. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Now, Uriah, um, let's uh, have a look at a little passage back here in Exodus. And uh, I like what it has to say here in Exodus chapter 19 and verses 5 and 6. Um, this is talking here about a, 
a covenant with the first generation, uh, not the second generation, as John was just saying. But Exodus 19 verse 5 says, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. Um, so, so what was the response of the children of Israel to this, this challenge? Well, the responses are recorded just uh, two verses uh, down in verse 8. So this is uh, Exodus chapter 19, verse 8, when it says, Then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. And here we, we see that God, uh, the covenant uh, is, is, is ratified. Uh, you have God um, offering the promises and they are promising that they will be obedient. They will keep all that the Lord has said. Now, it might seem a bit strange that you have God who's all powerful making uh, a covenant with, with people who are frail, who are mortal, who are sinful, and it might look like a bit of a, a power imbalance. And mm. one might ask, you know, how is that even fair? But there is actually evidence um, from archaeology and history that actually tells us that this is not something that is unique. It was something that was in keeping with the times. Yes, it was in keeping with the times uh, that uh, the people lived in. Um, I want to share a, a quote that comes from the Andrews Study Bible. Um, and it says that what uh, that kind of covenant relationship uh, where there is uh, an unevenness, they are seeming unevenness, it paralleled the structure of some political treaties or covenants in the ancient Near East, such as those that Hittite emperors gave to lesser rulers in the second millennium BC. And that's from the Andrews Study Bible. So it is something that actually did occur in the time. So it was not that quite unusual. Now, if we turn to uh, Deuteronomy uh, chapter 5 and we read verse 2, this is actually Deuteronomy um, where we are looking back um, at, by this time. Moses is, is looking back and in, in verse 2, uh, it says that the Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. He is reminding the children of Israel of the covenant that God was the one who made it. And here we can see clearly the two parties in this covenant relationship, that there is God and the people uh, that uh, made the, the covenant. So Moses is, is reminding us, uh, reminding the children of Israel uh, of their covenant relationship. And if we also turn to Deuteronomy chapter 26, um, verse 16 to 19, Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 16 to 19, it says here, This day the Lord your God commands you to observe these statutes and judgments. Therefore you shall be careful to observe them with all your heart and with all your soul. Today you have proclaimed the Lord to be your God and that you will walk in his ways and keep his statutes his commandments and his judgments, and that you will obey his voice. Mm -hmm. 
Also today, the Lord has proclaimed you to be his special people, just as he promised you that you should keep all his commandments and that he will set you high above all the nations which he has made in praise, in name and in honor, and that you may be a holy people to the Lord your God, just as he has spoken. And I don't know about you, Clive Mm. and John, but I would like to be like this, to be God's special Mm. uh, person, be part of that, um, and to be set on high. Mm. That's a wonderful promise that God is making. It is. There's a lot in those verses there, isn't there? There is. Yeah. Now, if we go over a, a chapter or two to chapter 28 of Deuteronomy and verses 1 and 2, it says here, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. Uh, coming back to this thought again, Uriah, isn't yes. it? Um, And verse two, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. So so Moses uh, nominated a condition for the blessings. How do you react to that, John? What do you think? When you understand this sort of covenant that God made, not only did he list the blessings, but he also listed what would happen if you did not accept that covenant or you agreed to it, but then went back on on what you'd agreed to. And so here in Deuteronomy 28 and verse 15, it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Now, when we have a look at what was actually happening here, there were two mountains. One of them was Mount Gerizim and the other was Mount Ebal. And those who repeated the blessings were standing on Mount Gerizim and the ones who were repeating the curses was Mount Ebal. And so God took this covenant relationship between himself and his whole nation very, very seriously. And here was Moses repeating um, what the children of Israel needed to consider after Moses left, which wasn't very long after he put the book of Deuteronomy in place. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Thanks, John. Now, now Uriah, do you think that God was being punctilious or difficult um, in putting these conditions on the, on the blessings? Well, um, I, I, I think um, there is a reason why he, he did so. Yeah, uh, was obedience a hard requirement? And, well, if it was hard, I don't think God would be fair. Uh, listen to what he says in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 30 and um, verse 11 to 14. Deuteronomy chapter 30, 11 to 14. For this commandment which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near to you in your mouth and in your heart 
that you may do it. So he's saying here that uh, the, the requirements that he asks for, they are not too onerous. They are not impossible. They are, they are doable. They are achievable. And, um, and of course, with the obedience, the blessing comes as well. Mm. So is there a lesson for us here, John? God wanted his people to live and to enjoy life while they were doing it. And so when you go to verse 19 of chapter 30, here God makes his wonderful promise. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. What a wonderful agreement God made with his people. Yeah, and uh, when it's a choice between life and death, I know which I'd choose, don't you? Obedience is the best way. Yeah. If we go across to the uh, to Solomon's words, the, the wisest man who ever lived, um, and I'm reading from Proverbs chapter 3 and verses 1 and 2. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands for length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Um, so Uriah, what does, a, what does a wise person do according to King Solomon? Well, Solomon actually uh, gives a, a, a wonderful piece of advice and he being the wisest person apart from Jesus, whoever walked this earth, you'd think you would, you'd want to listen to this advice. And it's found in uh, Proverbs chapter 3, um, verse 5 and 6. And this is a favorite of mine and, and, and many others. So much so I think I'll, I'll say it from, from memory. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Sometimes we, we may think that we know more than God, that, you know, the way God wants to do it is, is he's not getting it right. And we, we know the better way. But this verse here is actually encouraging us to trust God's way and not to rely on our own understanding. Now, in case someone might be thinking, well, we're missing out, here is a, a quote I want to share with you uh, from Dr. Ella Simmons, uh, who wrote this in her book, Trust in God, Trust Also in Me. She says, she writes, when Jesus calls us to the Christian journey, he has a plan for us, a plan that far exceeds those we envision for ourselves. We hold a limited view of the Christian journey, of both its dangers and its rewards. Yet if we trust him, Jesus will take us to heights unknown in this journey toward eternal life. And sometimes I think when we don't trust God, we actually shortchange ourselves because his way is best. Now, I want to go over to the last uh, book of the Old Testament, uh, Malachi. And uh, we're going to talk about tithes for a moment, uh, the, the principle of tithing. Malachi 3 verse 7 says, Yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, uh, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, In what way shall we return? So Uriah, uh, Israel had a history of ups and downs, you know, faithfulness and, and infidelity. Um, but what was a key indicator of faithfulness uh, according to Malachi? Well, according to Malachi chapter 3, it, it really is uh, tithes and offerings. Uh, Malachi chapter 3 verse 8 uh, says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, In what way have we robbed you? 
in tithes and offerings. So God is, is saying here that uh, a good gauge of how hot or how cold we are with him is our faithfulness in returning tithes and giving a faithful offering. Yes, it seems though the hip pocket is a very sensitive nerve in, the, in humanity, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, uh, I like what uh, Ellen White has to say on this. Uh, she says uh, that God's plan regarding tithes and offerings is definitely stated in the third chapter of Malachi. God calls upon his human agents to be true to the contract he has made with them. That's from Councils on Stewardship, page 75. Um, now, John, what, what act, in your mind, what act of Jesus um, prompts a love response in your heart? From Malachi, you make a 400-year leap into the New Testament, and that's where Jesus is born, lives his life, goes to Calvary, when we see all that, that's a love response. When you see that God is willing to do that, you, you are glad that he's made an agreement with you. And our love for him is such that it grows the more we walk and talk with him. Mm. Yeah, and, and there, are, there are some texts that naturally would spring to your mind, aren't there? You know, like herein is love, not that, that we loved him, but that he first loved us. Um, John three sixteen, you know, comes to mind. You know, that, that God loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son. Um, and certainly Calvary uh, is one that, that evokes that kind of response, isn't it, in our hearts. Um, I'd like to think about uh, King Hezekiah back, back in the Old Testament again. In Second uh, Chronicles chapter 3 and verse 14, we have here uh, an account. You know, King Hezekiah was a, a great reformer um, and we can be thankful for the example of his life. Second Chronicles chapter 31 and verse 4 says, Moreover, he commanded the people who dwelt in Jerusalem to contribute support for the priests and the Levites that they might devote themselves to the law of the Lord. So how did the people respond, Uriah? They responded immediately. Second uh, Chronicles chapter 31 and verse 5, it says, As soon as the commandment was circulated, the children of Israel brought in abundance the first fruits of grain and wine, oil and honey, and all of the produce of the field. And they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. So they responded immediately. They gave of their best, the first fruits, and they gave generously. They gave in abundance. And um, that's, mm. that's because they were responding to God's love and his blessings upon them. Mm. Yes, I, I like the, uh, the comment of, of Jesus when he said, Seek first the kingdom of God. heaven and his righteousness, and all these, these things, things shall be added, will be added unto you. Unto you. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Uriah. Uh, my guests today were Uriah Saint-Just and uh, John Cosmire. Good to have you with us in our discussion. You know, we have seen that, that God has given us covenant conditions for his promises. The strange thing is that our response of obedience is not meritorious. We can't earn salvation by what we do. It is all God's doing. How thankful we can be that this is true. If it were up to what we can do, our best would never be good enough. We would never know when we had done enough to earn God's favour. We love God and obey him out of love because he first loved us. 
Well, we're glad you joined us today on Let God Speak. Remember, you can watch all past programs on our website, 3abnaustralia.org.au. You can email us on lgs at 3abnaustralia.org.au. That's the number three. Do join us again next time. And until then, may God richly bless you all. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.